Shakespeare Virtual Theater Company production. Enjoy the show. Greetings and salutations to all you loyal listeners out there in Radio Land. Welcome back to the JVTC Radio Half Hour. Tonight's broadcast features the thrilling sixth installment in The Extraordinary Adventures of Arsène Lupin, The Seven of Hearts. Our story begins in the vestibule outside the drawing room of a house practically wallpapered with mosaics, celebrating every period of ancient history. Enter. Monsieur Daspry is here, sir. My dear Rotor, you look as white as a sheet, dear friend. <laughs> the incident you wrote about in the Gil Bar last week couldn't have been that bad, no, could it? Oh, you weren't there, old chum. See how you feel when, after you've settled in your pyjamas, open up the book you've been reading, and instead of a bookmark, there's a death threat. Instead of a cool evening breeze coming in your window, there's a blasted burglar standing and just staring at you. Come no, come no, dear friend. I merely wanted to tease you out of this foul humour. I knew you must be in such a horrible scare. Your teasing was what put me on edge that night in the first place. I'm walking home with you from a night out with the gang from the club, after an evening of us trying to tell the scariest ghost story or grisly crime we've ever heard of. The boulevard is deserted, I've given Antoine the night off, the house is empty and pitch black, no lamps inside, and you turn to me and ask, Are you afraid? Well, I bloody wasn't until you bloody asked me. Are you afraid? I was so shaken just climbing the stairs, I actually loaded my revolver and kept it by my bedside. I'm sorry, friend. You're not a coward. One of the many reasons I favor your company. I thought you had exaggerated in the article for more readers. It's the kind of thing some more uh, theatrical types might do. Oh, Desperate, it's all right. I just flummoxed by it. Do you know the strangest thing? What? What the death threat said. From the moment you open this letter, whatever happens, whatever you may hear, do not move, do not utter one cry, otherwise you are doomed. wanted to grab my revolver, make a run for it, but I, I couldn't, I couldn't move. Do not move or you are doomed. Minutes had passed and at this point I, I think it's a joke until... Until I heard the window open and saw a figure outlined in moonlight attempting to hide behind the curtains. If I could see him, certainly he could see me. Then all those horrible noises began. They shook the house. I realized as I heard these noises that the figure in the window wasn't actually a burglar. He was watching me. He and whoever planted that death threat in my book were working together, and his job was making sure I followed the explicit instructions. 
do not move. Do not utter one cry. Otherwise you are doomed. Through it all, I remained silent and still long after the noises had ended, ready for them to begin again at any moment. Watching the man watching over me, my heart pounding, sweating through my nightclothes the entire night long. At last, like Ebenezer Scrooge, daybreak had come to rescue me. sun's light guided my aim as I cautiously reached an arm out and, never taking my eyes off that curtain off my target, I seized my revolver and fired! Aha! I had done it! I had done nothing except put a bullet hole in a perfectly good curtain and window pane. There was no one there. Had been no one there. I began checking all the rooms of the house. Not a single thing had been stolen or out of place. No chair disturbed. Not even the trace of a footstep. So it was all in your imagination then? I still can't be sure. I I've searched everywhere for clues. All I found was this playing card. Seven hearts. Strange. Each of the hearts have been pierced all the way through. <laughs> How apropos. Seven perfect little holes, all positioned at the heart's indent. Such a puzzling affair. <sighs> and it's worn me out just retelling it to you. I need to retire for now. Would you mind dropping by next week, Dasbury? I'd be happy to, dear friend. I'm sure you'll be well recovered by then. A gentleman to see him, monsieur. He would not give his name. <sighs> Show him up, Antoine. Monsieur, whilst in a cafe, I picked up a copy of the Guillaume Blas and I read your article. It interested me very much. Thank you, monsieur. And here I am. Are all the facts related by you quite in the article correct? Absolutely so. I'm a journalist of the highest stripe. And who dare question a man's... Well, in that case, I must remain alone in this room. I do not understand. If you could tell me who you are... Who... It is an idea that occurred to me when reading your article. Certain details established an extraordinary coincidence with another case that came under my notice. If I am mistaken, I shall say nothing more, and the only means of my ascertaining the truth is by remaining in this room alone. I... what? Well... fine. Fine. <sighs> Where's your guest, monsieur? In there. And before you question my choice to give a stranger free reign to my house, I will tell you, I already hear Despree's scorn from whatever bar or bank or brothel he's currently residing, so there's no need of you to do the same. I had no such intentions, sir. What? Oh, he's shot himself in the head! What is that by his feet? 
It's... My word, a playing card! The Seven of Hearts! Anton, quick! Call the police! Monsieur, the police, the coroner, and Inspector Justin Ganimard of the Sûreté have arrived. Ganimard? Isn't he the fellow fruitlessly chasing down Arsène Lupin? Why would he ever be interested in this? Perhaps asking him would yield a better answer than whatever I could guess at. Have you moved the body at all? No, no, he is exactly as we found him half an hour ago. No papers in the pockets of the deceased? No name on his clothing, no initials in his underwear. Who is he? What was he doing here? You said on the phone he arrived and asked for a few minutes by himself. Yes, yes, but before three minutes were up, we heard the gunshots. That is, my, my butler and I. And nothing was out of place? Unless you consider where his skull used to be intact. We will let you know if we have further questions as we continue our investigation. Let's get the body onto a stretcher for the coroner. Look, his hand, he had something in his hand, a, a crumpled paper. It's a calling card. George Andermatt, 37 Rue de Berry. George Andermatt? The George Andermatt? The man lives like a prince, automobiles, coaches, he even owns a racing stable. I've heard tell of Madame Andermatt's grace and beauty. This is not George Andermatt by any stretch of the imagination, but could it be... Unfortunately, this man wears no disguise. I only thought with this house's former owner. I knew nothing of him. I purchased this house through a solicitor. But back to this card. Number 41521, please. Is Monsieur Andermatt at home? Please tell him that, that Inspector Justin Ganimard wishes him to come at once to 102 Boulevard Mayo. It may be a matter of life and death. You're telling me this deceased unknown lunatic was carrying the actual calling card of the actual president of the metal exchange, the richest metal trader in all of Europe, in his rare clenched fist. You speak as though you're providing exposition for a poor excuse for a radio drama. But yes, that's what I'm saying. And upon this Ganimar Dringham, what then? He came and went as though he had nervous to be on the premises. Shockingly enough, he did identify the dead chap, but it took some doing on the part of the inspector to get it out of him. Name of the deceased was uh, Etienne Verin, of Swiss lineage. Lived with his brother in, on Rue de Provence. They worked odd jobs in construction or doing freelance accounting. That was all Andermatt could provide, and he left after that, grumbling something about noblesse oblige or something, whatever that means. After the hubbub died down, though, I, I found this. Another seven of hearts playing card. And all the sevens pierce straight through again. But wait. Do you still have the playing card from before? Would you hand it to me? Thank you. Ah, look, Rator. What am I looking at? They look exactly the same to me, dear fellow. The card from before had punctures at the heart's indent, where the top curves meet. The card from your most recent house guest, the punctures at, are at the bottom of the hearts. Good heavens, why such close attention to detail, Despre? At the club, the only thing you've paid close attention to is the wine list. <coughs> oh, that may well be true, Rator. Uh, but after last week, I've come to take an interest in this strange affair. 
if only to preserve the health of my best friend. That's you. Uh, so over to the course of the past week, I did some investigation of my own. Look at this headline in the Echo de France, uh, dated the day of Varan's suicide. Seven of Hart's submarine endeavor still in development limbo. A submarine named the Seven of Hearts? Really? Why, why do you insist on pranking me like this? This is no prank. Here, look. The article details that an extremely talented engineer named Louis Lacombe wanted to design a submarine that would revolutionize underwater exploration. And he began drafting the plans for it in his new home at 102 Bouillard Mayor. But that's my address right now! That's what that Ganimard fellow must have meant about the previous owner. Bravo! Sherlock Holmes has some new competition. <laughs> Andermatt, Varen, Lacombe. Should I be taking notes on all these names? No time for that. Now, Lacombe wasn't local and needed help getting the submarine dream made into a reality. Submarine dream. Very poetical there, Daspray. Good show, huh? I thought you'd like that. Lacombe, naturally, went to the Varen Brothers Construction and Freelance Accounting Agency to get a proposal together. As one does. The Varens knew they had a winning client on their hands and connected Louis Lacombe to the most affluent metal trader in the business to get a lock on the best supplies possible. Aha! None other than George Andermatt, I suspect. You suspect correctly. Andermatt also saw potential in the type of submarine Louis Lacombe wanted to design, and he began meeting with the Minister of the Marine behind Lacombe's back to see about developing a similar one, not for exploration, but for warfare. And for his own profit. A dash of double-crossing? Well, this story is getting serious, and perhaps it's best to put it behind me. Nothing of the sort. Louis Lacombe began to realise something odd was afoot, based on very specific requests he began to receive from Andermatt in regards to his submarine. And so, two years passed of planning, revising, perfecting. Louis Lacombe practically had a second home over at Andermatt. Ooh, lucky bastard. Do you know Andermatt has a horse stable? His own horse stable. Probably rides on saddles made of gold. Perhaps you will not think he is so lucky, friend, when I tell you that a month ago, Louis Lacombe disappeared. <laughs> he had been at dinner at Andermatt's beginning at eight, and he left at half past eleven, yet he hasn't been seen since, nor were the plans for the Seven of Hearts submarine. Probably took them with him. Clever chap like that must have seen the writing on the wall. Eh, the writer of this article uh, goes by Salvatore, looks like. Ah, uh, goodness, another name to keep track of. Salvatore thinks the Varen brothers, well, no, just brother Alfred, has them, and is going to sell them to the highest bidder, likely a foreign power. Bastards! Traitorous, lying bastards! I give my all for king and country so this sputum can come along and sell these plans for some almighty coin. I hope they bring that bastard back to life so I can scream La Marseille in his blasted face! Are you done? Yes, thank you. Good. Uh, you have a bit of foam there at the corner of your mouth. Also, this Salvatore fellow mentions that the Varen brothers are missing a crucial piece of the submarine's plans, the precise configuration of the pressure hull. Any substitutions Andermatt's engineers have attempted, uh, the submarine has literally fallen into pieces. Ha! Well done, the comb. Looks like there's a bit of a public outcry that Andermatt come forward about the case. This Salvatore throws about great theories, but it all seems uh, too big for us. 
Let us leave it now to the authorities and writers. Oh, you're no fun at all. And yet, you remain my friend. So who is the fool? Salvatore? Varen? Andermatt? Lacombe? But where is Arsène Lupin in all this? Find out when we return from this commercial break. Shakespeare Virtual Theatre Company is pleased to present The Adding Machine by Elmer Rice, directed by Ted Eaton. Mr. Zero is an accountant at a large, faceless company where, after 25 years at his job, he discovers that he will be replaced by a machine. After he perpetrates an act of violence, the play follows him through his trial, execution, and afterlife. Through the satirical storytelling and deep investigation of the human psyche, the adding machine asks the question, what does it mean to be human in a world where we are replaceable? The play served as a turning point in early 20th century theater and established Elmer Rice as one of the best playwrights of the modern American theater. The Adding Machine streams on demand June 24th through 26th. Find out more and get your tickets at www.jakespearevtc.com slash adding. I beg your pardon, Monsieur Hatter, but I need to come here secretly. I am Clotilde Andermatt, wife of Georges Andermatt. Madame Andermatt, how did you get past Antoine? Uh, how did you get past Antoine? The back gate wasn't locked. I came through the servant's entrance. Interesting. How did you know where the back gate was? Or the servant's entrance. May I introduce my friend, Jean Daspry, a font of good manners? Apologies, madame. I am a naturally curious person. It's quite all right, monsieur. I find curiosity to be an admirable and appealing quality, rather than impudence. A woman after my own heart. Uh, how can we help you, madame? I had hoped to be of help to you. I read the papers. The Echo de France said that the Varen brothers had something to do with Louis' disappearance, and one of them killed himself in this house. I needed to come here. Do you believe that Lacombe's disappearance to be a bit of foul play? I'm certain it's true. When Louis left dinner that night, he was carrying everything related to the Seven of Hearts plans in his satchel. Two days later, my husband spoke with one of the Varin brothers and learned that the papers were in their possession. Why didn't he go to the police? Because there were extra papers in the satchel as well. What kind of papers? Just general, everyday business letters and the like. Everyday business letters? Nothing else? No other type of letters or anything that might prevent a powerful rich man like your husband from going to the police? There were other letters, but they weren't from my husband to Louis. They were from me. Louis was such a gifted engineer. He didn't live in a world of ledgers, of money, like my husband. He saw beauty and potential everywhere, even when I couldn't. I never understood mechanics or science, but he made it all seem so easy to grasp and even easier to enjoy. 
I beg your pardon, gentlemen. Ah, those kind of letters. Oui. Alfred Varin came to the house, shaking these incriminating letters and the plans for the seven of hearts in my husband's face. He threatened to publish them and sell the submarine plans to the highest bidder. Well, Georges would be ruined with the investment he'd already made. We had the biggest fight of our marriage, where he laid the blame at my feet, ignoring the fact about his subterfuge behind Louis's back. Yet I told him everything. We live as strangers now. Yet, despite what I've already told you about Louis, I still love Georges. Tell me, Monsieur Daspry, is it foolish to love someone when they no longer love you? I think it's the most human thing in the world. Perhaps your husband is thinking the same? I wish I could believe you, monsieur. Either way, there's a second reason I've come here. I feel that matters of the matrimonial sort should be left in private, so perhaps it's best if you told us no more. Please, this concerns you. What? The Varen brothers boasted of a secret hiding place where they would keep both the plans as well as the love letters. Their boasting reminded me of how Louis used to show off to me new locks or puzzles that he'd invented or tinkered with. He once said he had created the most ingenious safe with an even more ingenious way of unlocking it and that it was built into the very walls of his house. Your house now, Monsieur Ratter. Indeed it is, Madame Andermatt, but it's felt like a bit of a bad luck charm, to be frank. I'm sure the Varin brothers would agree with you. After Louis disappeared, the house was vacant for some time. During that horrible night when Alfred Varin bragged of his hiding place, I burned with fury. I told my husband I was sure that the hiding place was a safe somewhere in Louis' house. It's my theory that he came to this house, found the safe, forced it open somehow. Although I can't see how my husband does not have a mind for puzzles. Took the plans and letters, then left his business card to say that he had no fear of being blackmailed any further. Etienne Varin then visited you, found my husband's card in the empty safe, and killed himself, as a result due to his rich scheme being foiled. It's a good enough theory, madam, but if I was your husband, I'd be overjoyed to have those plans in my possession. Get started on getting those submarines built straight away. Have you noticed anything like that happening? A spring in a step? No, I haven't. That's because it wasn't your husband who managed to get the safe open and leave that calling card. It was that scribbler from the Echo de France, Salvatore. How'd you figure that, Daspry? That'll have to wait for now, Retour. Because, unless my ears deceive me, we have visitors coming. More? Where is Antoine to fend them all off and keep strangers from tromping through like it's a hotel? Everybody hide behind the velvet curtain. If there are visitors coming, shouldn't I be there to receive them? I don't want to be a rude host. What if I told you one of those visitors was Alfred Varen? And me without my gun blasted all. Oh God, are you sure he won't see us behind this curtain? I'm sure Louis must have created a collapsible lockbox or safe or with something we could hide more safely in. Madam, I, you have nothing to fear. These curtains are quite sumptuous and opaque. 
plus velvet gentle on your skin, <laughs> n'est-ce pas? The old man was too little liver to show. All the better. I'm sure the new owner has plenty of treasure scattered about, and none of the knowledge of those troublesome safes. Uh, there's that wall. Let's see if this works a second time. Maybe there's a trick pulley over there by that curtain? Oh no! Alfred Varan, was it you who sent me this note? Note? I came because you sent me a letter saying you would be here to deliver payment for the love letters and the plans for the Seven of Hearts submarine. It's even signed by you, George Andermatt, so stop acting the fool, even if it does suit you so well. Fiend! I never wrote to you. What? I said I never... Where are you going, Horan? I'm getting out of here. I didn't write to you, you didn't write to me, and yet here we both are? I don't like it one bit. That makes one of us because I'm overjoyed to see your ugly face, you cretin, so that I can ask you at last what you did with Louis Lacombe. And to that I ask you, where's your cheating wife? I don't see how that is any of your business. The night Lacombe left our home, I remember seeing two figures lurking about at the end of the drive. Then you and your brother came into possession of those plans not two days after he disappeared, attempting to sell them to me for a fortune. That's enough damning evidence for an entire trial. Well, if the law is so clearly on your side, Andermont, why not just go and tell him? Go on then, go tell them. Um... I'm surprised, Mr. Andermont. You haven't moved from your spot. Why would that be? Could it be our little threat of blackmail has fangs after all? If you're referring to those alleged love letters between my wife and Louis Lacombe, you're even stupider than you look. Do you suppose I ever gave those letters a moment's thought? If you didn't care about the letters, why did you offer me thousands of francs for their return? And why did you have my brother and me tracked like wild beasts? To recover the plans for the submarine, you stupendous dolt. It would be a boon to our national defense. <laughs> you wanted the letters. You knew that as soon as you had the letters in your possession, you could go to the law free and easy and with an army of barristers at your back. But enough of this delightful banter. I'm leaving here with the plans, the letters, and your checkbook. Stand aside and let me pass or be ready to feel what my dear brother experienced in his last moments. Be reasonable, Varan. You can take the plans and my checkbook if you must. But please, I beg you, leave the letters behind. I want my wife's reputation to be protected. Oh, touching words, Andermott, but I don't give a tinker's cuss about your, you or your floozy of a wife's flimsy reputation. The letters stay with me. Now, if you value your life, you will move. Please, I'm on my knees, please. I beg you for my wife's sake. Very well, then. I'll pay her a visit myself and see if she thinks they were worth her husband's life. <gasps> ah! What the? Am I hit? Who fired at me? Tis I. I rarely miss, but there's a first time for everything. You're lucky. I only hit your gun, Varen, and not your hand. Uh, Ratur, will you get his revolver? With pleasure. And don't actually shoot anyone with it, please. Oh, fine. Who the hell are you? I'm the person who's holding all the cards, Varen. Ah, oh, a delightful pun, Daspre. Well played. And to you, Ratur, the same compliment. Yes, Varen, 
I hold one very powerful card, to be precise. Allow me to display it. You have the metal playing card? The metal seven of hearts that Louis Lacombe carried with him everywhere? The very same. Shiny little thing, isn't it? Where on earth did you find that, Daspre? You really, really don't want to know. What do you want? All that we brought with you, Monsieur Verne. You will hand over the plans for the submarine. And they had better be the originals, because you are looking at a man who can tell the difference by a single dotted eye. How much do you want for them? 10,000 francs. Done. Monsieur Andermatt, if you'd be so kind as to write up a check for the man, here's your checkbook. Wait a minute, how did- Time is of the essence, Andermatt. Please sign there. Varen, please hand over the submarine plans and the letters. Pardon, monsieur. These are only the plans. The letters. That's an additional 10,000. Very well. They're worth that much, I suppose. God help me. Thanks for the check. Funny thing is, I don't even have them on me. Beast, how could you? Hmm. Interesting that you wish to play it that way, Varen. Very well. I shall get them myself with this metal playing card. Daspri, what are you doing walking up to that mosaic? It's a solid block underneath we checked, remember? So, if I were to just place this metal of seven of hearts here, where the jagged points of this spot match up to each of the hearts, let's, let's just try it for fun, shall we? By Jove, a secret safe! And it's empty. Told you I didn't have them. Retour. Remember those two paper playing cards? One had the piercings on the top indents of the hearts, and the other had them on the bottom tips. What do you think happens if I were to take the metal card away from here, and then with the other card reach inside the empty safe and place it here just so? A safe within a safe! <laughs> Monsieur Andermatt, I believe these belong to you. Why on earth are you so upset, Varen? You have 20,000 francs. Yes, yes, that I do. An Andermatt, you have all the plans and the letters now, yes? All that's missing is the crucial documentation that Lacombe used to encode his work. Oh, <laughs> my fault. It's this card. Please take it. It will soon become clear, but if not, I believe... Madame Andermatt has a genuine interest in puzzles and engineering projects of this nature. She'd be a tremendous help to you. And with that, our business together is concluded, Monsieur Andermatt. I cannot begin to... No thanks to me, Monsieur. Your wife is responsible for the solution to this case. My wife? But how? She is here, of course. Clotilde, I'm so sorry for how I've been lately... I feared you no longer loved me, and I just couldn't take it. Oh, Georges, I love you now as I have every day since we met. Aww. Aww. I do so love a happy ending. Not quite yet, Retour. Now that the lady is gone, I must ask for you, Varen, to return the checks you were just given. <laughs> Whatever for? For the murder of Louis Lacombe. What else? I am innocent of that particular crime. What proof do you have? Do you know how I found that metal playing card key? 
Uh, pay attention, Rator. I'd searched the entire house looking for it, and then it hit me. I hadn't searched outside the house itself. I went round the back of the house and found a freshly disturbed patch of earth, and I dug. I found the card pinched between the finger bones of a dead body, Lacombe's, that is, that happened to have a rope encircling where its neck used to be, which could certainly be dusted for your fingerprints. Say no more. I know when I'm beat. I just have one question for you. What's your name? You're on top today, but tomorrow or the day after, I will have my revenge, and it'll be you on the floor. What's your name? Arsène Lupin. Now that you have my name, go prepare your revenge. Arsène Lupin will wait for you. <laughs> what a scoundrel. Indeed he was. I was talking about you. Oh, Ratur, don't put me in the same class as Valen. Was it you that snuck into my house that night and stared at me, keeping watch on me? I knew the brothers would come looking for all their hidden treasure. I had to make sure you would be all right. Was it you that published that article under the pen name Salvatore? A bit on the nose, with the whole Seville thing, yeah. A bit. With my position in the ownership of the Echo de France, I enjoy publishing an article from time to time. I also still had the fancy of playing an Italian after a, a recent dinner in Rouen. What do you plan to do with that cache of jewels and 20,000 francs? I could add it to the pile. Or I could take a dear friend who has had a bad streak of luck to the best casinos Monaco has to offer to double our winnings. Our winnings? Unless you morally oblige. Antoine, fetch my luggage, get the valise, the, the, the purple one. Good evening, Inspector Ganimard. Thank you for coming. This hour, that hour, it is one and the same to me. You rang saying Arsène Lupin was here? Are you sure of it? Yes. I overheard him admit to it when I pressed my ear to the library door. I tried to star them, but it, it was doesn't matter. Tell me where he has gone. He and the master have only recently departed for the casinos in Monaco. How bourgeois. Thank you, Antoine, for your help. Arsène Lupin, you've just made a very bad gamble. And so our heroes succeed in helping rebuild a troubled marriage, cracked a safe with a playing card, got some blueprints to, to a banker, and are off to try their luck. But what will the future hold in store for them? Will Theron have his revenge? Will Lupin set his sights on righting another wrong in true Robin Hood fashion? Will Ganimard call Lupin's bluff? Tune in next time to find out as we follow along the JVTC Radio Half Hour for the next installment of The Extraordinary Adventures of Arsène Lupin. The Extraordinary Adventures of Arsène Lupin, The Seven of Hearts, was adapted by Robin Burl, Chelsea Cook, and Jake Lewis, based upon the short story by Maurice LeBlanc, it was edited and directed by Jake Lewis. The radio announcer was played by Stephanie Wolf. Antoine was Phil Chin. Rateur, Dave Joria. Daspri, Sven Weiberg. Gentleman, Richard Clark. Ghani Mard, Mark O'Donnell. Clotilde Andermatt, Julie Butters. George Andermatt, Brian Butters. And Albert Varen, Elijah Baker. 
The theme song was composed by John Bartman, and all sound effects were located within the public domain. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast to be alerted for when the next episode becomes available, and find out more information at www.jakespearevtc.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.